0: This morning from new york to massachusetts to maine the northeast is buried after one of the biggest winter storms in years powerful winds heavy snow and coastal flooding slamming the region
1: about every half hour i come out to keep up with the snow
0: the massive nor'easter dumped more than two feet of snow in parts of new jersey and virginia whipping winds pounded midtown manhattan Today, many people are just starting to dig their way out. It's just going to take me as long as it takes. I'm going to pace myself. New York and New Jersey are both under states of emergency. Whiteout conditions, left drivers stranded. Let me say this uh,
2: unequivocally, this is a big one. Unless you must be out, do not go out.
0: I would assume the worst with this kind of storm in pittsburgh icy roads caused even this massive salt truck to slide off a hill and in connecticut two people were pulled to safety after their truck crashed into a pond the nasty nor'easter snarled air travel too more than 900 flights canceled at tri-state area airports monday many covid vaccination sites throughout the northeast also temporarily shut down new york cities are still closed today but the storm wasn't bad news for everyone kids stuck at home Finally, able to enjoy an old-fashioned snow day.
3: Now, with with COVID, the kids don't get snow days anymore. Everything's uh, remote learning, so it's fun for them, you know, to get out here and just really be able to be a kid.
4: And
2: some kids at heart are also looking on the bright side. Like people enjoy Florida. I enjoy this. This is this is what I live for.
0: Here in Worcester, the cleanup is underway, and the National Weather Service says that this was the highest daily snowfall on February 1st since 1898,
5: Hoda. All right, Gabe Gutierrez for us. Uh, I love how he loves that snow so much.
3: All right, <laughs> thanks.
6: That's a glass half full <laughs> yeah. of snow, and the storm is certainly keeping our Al busy. He's also got his eye on yet another storm heading this way. Oh, Al, you got a little side hustle there? Well, <laughs> look,
7: I, I, I got my friend Marin here is uh, His job is clearing these mountains of snow off so uh, he's gonna, I'm gonna let him get uh, going here. All right, Marianne, go ahead, uh, start her up. All right, in the meantime, uh, we have got a lot still going on with this storm. Take a look on the radar. You can see, first of all, the Northeastern, the, uh, the alerts still 39 million people for the Northeast on into New England. And on the radar, you can see it's still spinning around. Heavier snow up through Northern Maine, and also inland parts of New York. The system is kind of split into two systems. So we've got uh, a little bit of a wraparound situation, right at freezing here in New York City so we could go back and forth between rain and snow. Tomorrow the uh, snow ends as the storms pull away, but much colder temperatures with strong wind chills come in behind this system by tomorrow night. On top of what's already fallen, up in northern Maine we could be looking at 18 inches of snow generally though anywhere from three to six interior sections of new england and also new york state and out west we're watching this big storm develop we're going to have more on that a little bit later but it's going to be another coast to coaster happy groundhog's day everybody
8: (laughs) this morning the fight against the coronavirus now taking place in labs the cdc working to test upwards of seven thousand samples a week looking for dangerous and potentially deadlier variants of the virus. The highly contagious UK strain is now in at least 33 states. Officials also worried about the South African and Brazilian strains.
2: They're more transmissible. We think the vaccines will be
8: less protective for the new variants. At the University of Washington, a grim forecast. They estimate the death toll could climb to 600,000
2: in three months. Previous infection may not protect you, so we should probably be thinking less about achieving herd immunity and more about just really trying to prevent death and severe disease.
8: Across the country, while daily infections are down over 30%, the death toll still tops 3,000 a day.
1: In January, we recorded the highest number of COVID-19 deaths in any month since the pandemic began.
8: Dr. Anthony Fauci says current vaccines are still key in
2: stopping these and other new variants. Viruses cannot mutate if they don't replicate. And if you stop their replication by vaccinating widely and not giving the virus an open playing field,
8: You will not get mutations. One in every 13 Americans have now had at least their first dose of the vaccine, but the rollout has not been without its problems. News that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is only 72% effective, causing some concern, though experts note it's the only vaccine tested on the South African variant. With some states now easing restrictions, new fears gatherings this weekend for the Super Bowl could cause yet another spike in cases.
6: Avoid super spreader Super
3: Bowl parties. It's simply not safe to gather in other people's homes.
6: And Miguel, Dr. Fauci also had a really disturbing warning about these variants. What did he say?
8: Yes, Savannah, that's right. Dr. Fauci is warning of an ominous scenario if the Southern African strain becomes dominant across the country, saying that even if you've already contracted the virus, there's a very high rate of being reinfected. He emphasized the importance of speeding up vaccinations to avoid that very scenario.
9: Facing a punishing pandemic and its growing economic toll, President Biden with a bid for bipartisanship. No, I feel like i back in the Senate. Hosting his first official Oval Office meeting with 10 Republican senators discussing a possible deal on COVID relief.
5: We have just had a very productive, cordial two-hour meeting.
9: For anxious Americans, there are areas of agreement. Both sides want $160 billion to ramp up vaccine distribution.
10: I think they should be more optimistic. There was common ground that we've got to take care of the
9: American people. But while President Biden is calling for $1,400 in direct payments, the Republicans are pushing smaller checks, $1,000 to fewer Americans, a fraction of the money the White House wants to reopen schools and nothing for states. The Republican Senator's proposal, roughly $600 billion and a third of the $1.9 trillion package the White House and Democrats want.
7: It makes no sense to pinch pennies when so many Americans are struggling, the risk of doing too little is far greater than the risk of doing too
11: much.
9: The White House is motivated to move quickly, especially with former President Trump's impeachment trial beginning next week. Their goal to get a deal done by March when extra unemployment assistance and other pandemic relief runs out. Meanwhile, top Senate Republican Mitch McConnell taking aim at controversial freshman Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Without mentioning her by name, McConnell suggesting in a statement that Green's loony lies and conspiracy theories are cancer for the Republican Party and our country. Green appearing to respond on Twitter Monday, writing, the real cancer for the Republican Party is weak Republicans who only know how to lose gracefully. This is why we are losing our country. Green's been under fire for promoting false QAnon conspiracy theories and suggesting that the school shootings in Newtown and Parkland were staged. And on tap today, back here at the White House, President Biden will sign three more executive orders aimed at reversing some of former President Trump's hardline immigration practices. One order will create a task force to reunite undocumented children who were separated from their parents under the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy, a Biden official overnight calling that policy a moral failure and a national shame. The task force will be chaired by the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He's expected to be confirmed this afternoon.
2: He's a 37-year-old billionaire, just as comfortable flying one of the vintage Russian MiG fighter jets he owns. As he is running the company he started in his parents' basement when he dropped out of high school. Now, Jared Isaacman is about to push the limits even further. Three, two, one, zero. He and three others becoming the first civilian astronauts to lift off from the Kennedy Space Center late this year for a multi-day trip orbiting the Earth, riding on top of a SpaceX rocket, the brainchild of another billionaire entrepreneur, Elon Musk. You two seem to have like a, you know, twin brothers of different mothers kind of scenario (laughs) going on here.
12: Well, I I think we share similar similar, uh, uh, ideals and interests.
2: That's for sure. The mission dubbed Inspiration4.
11: You gotta be focused um, very much on this mission ahead. Um, It's gonna come up fast.
2: Isaacman won't say how much he's paying SpaceX for the trip, but he's using it as a fundraising vehicle to raise a staggering $200 million for St. Jude Children's Hospital. And he's putting in the first $100 million. You know, the
11: ball's bounced my way several times, um, and there is a lot, of, uh, a lot of kids and families that are dealt a really horrible hand in life. Um, and they don't even get to grow up to that point in life.
2: As part of the fundraiser, he's paying for three others to join him on the trip around the earth. A former childhood patient at St. Jude who was cured of cancer and is now a medical staffer at the hospital. Someone selected from among those who donate to St. Jude. No minimum contribution required. And someone with an entrepreneurial vision and passion to make a positive contribution. Four civilians, none of them with prior astronaut experience. For Musk, it's all about his goal of opening up space to everyone. So you're going to put four civilian astronauts on a trip uh, around the Earth. Are they essentially going to be remote controlled from here, from LA, or will they have any operational responsibility for that spaceship? They could just hit, uh, assume manual control and, and fly, the space, fly it all over the place. Uh, we would recommend against this but it is one of the possibilities. Isaacman, who founded Shift4Payments to process restaurant and hotel transactions, is himself an accomplished pilot. Now he's undergoing the physicals, getting measured for a spacesuit, and spending time in a SpaceX simulator.
9: You've got sort of capabilities to command the vehicle as well as um,
13: always ensuring you have a safe return to Earth.
11: This is super reliable technology. It's ahead of everybody else. I couldn't be more confident about, about the rocket, the spacecraft that will be going on uh, later this year.
2: For St. Jude, the $200 million fundraiser promises to save and change lives. That ensures that no family will ever receive a bill from St. Jude,
10: not for the cost of treatment, travel, housing, or food, because all we want mom and dad to worry about
2: is helping their child live. As for the actual mission so, and where they'll go? I think it's, it's really up to Jared. I mean, it's his, it's his mission. He can go wherever he'd like. Really? It's up to him. He can go wherever he wants it. Yeah, order. I mean, yeah, as long as it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Talk about getting away from it all. Yeah, pretty much. He can go wherever he wants. So listen, this entire effort kicks off on Sunday with a big Super Bowl ad to really kickstart this St. Jude Children's Hospital effort to raise $200 million. And then it opens up the opportunity for anybody in the public to sign up to go along on this trip. Doesn't matter how much you contribute, you'll be considered. Guys, back to you. Wow. Tom,
5: Elon wow. Musk mentioned that he, that someone could take the controls and drive it. I'm, I'm assuming he was joking around, but do any of these people actually get real training?
2: <clears throat> so actually, as we mentioned, Jared is a pretty good pilot. He has 6,000 jet hours under his belt. So he's really into the nuts and the bolts and the engineering of this. In theory, hopefully he'll have enough knowledge he could do something if, if he had to. But the entire crew, all these four people, will get emergency egress instructions. Uh, How do you get out of it in case of an emergency? They'll understand more of the mechanics of it. They're going to go through a whole lot of simulator training. But ultimately, you know, these are four civilians who are jumping into a spaceship for a journey around the Earth. How long does it take,
14: Tom? That was a question that came up during your spot, roughly. How long would it take them him to get around the Earth?
2: Well, they won't say how many days they're going to do this, right? You orbit the Earth once every 90 minutes or so. Uh, I'm getting the impression we're talking about three days or so. Mm -hmm. And I've said, well, what do you want to do? I mean, they said you can alter your journey for Jared. He could alter the journey. I said, well, what do you want to see? The North Pole? The Grand Canyon? And he said, everything's on the table. We're considering all of our options.
15: Wow.
5: All right. I mean, that's cool.
6: (laughs) And they just remote control it? Uh, uh, huh? Like a joystick or
2: something? (laughs) I think mostly... Mostly, it's going to be remote control from right downstairs yeah. here at SpaceX headquarters.
14: Costello, you're signing up, aren't you? You're signing up, aren't you?
2: <laughs> I'm all in. My wife isn't so sure of that. <laughs> all right. Thank, um, you, Tom. thank you,
12: This morning in Chicago, teachers are closer to a deal, but they're still not back in the classroom. Remote learning
5: is failing too many of our kids.
12: Chicago's Mayor Lori Lightfoot has been pushing for elementary and middle school students to return this week. Threatening, then walking back, lockouts for teachers who didn't report in person. The teachers union pushing back, citing COVID concerns.
4: We cannot negotiate safety. We have to have safety. And I think it is of the utmost importance now because it is a pandemic.
12: But for kids like fifth grader Briley Taylor, returning to school had been something to celebrate. That
6: hat overalls, so I was really excited. You
12: planned your outfit for going back to school. Yeah,
6: and I planned my lunch. I planned everything.
12: Briley's like plans now on hold again as the city and Chicago's teachers union negotiate over issues like safety protocols, ventilation, and contact tracing. Briley's mom says she understands the concerns
15: but says her daughter needs to be back in class. She was having difficulty with the e-learning. Um, it just wasn't a good start for us because of her age and the grade she's in.
12: Public health officials say there's growing evidence children aren't the main drivers of community spread. And when safety measures are in place, schools can reopen safely. A similar dynamic playing out in the wealthy suburbs of Fairfax County, Virginia.
10: The Fairfax teachers... Use- Union has said that they will not recommend that their teachers return until there is 14 days of zero community spread and children are vaccinated. That's simply not realistic in the 2021 calendar year. The district says not all school
12: staff have yet been vaccinated and are calling for a gradual reopening, adding we understand the frustration of parents who wanted schools to open sooner and we also understand the frustration of others who still do not feel ready to return. The stalemate underscoring the difficulty of President Biden's goal to reopen most schools within his first 100 days. And back here in Chicago, city officials are calling for a two-day cooling-off period as they look for a deal. The teachers union is wants a reopening plan more closely aligned to vaccinations for the staff. But that vaccinations for teachers, those mass vaccinations, are still several
10: weeks away. The stage is set for Super Bowl 55, but in a 2021 pandemic twist, the players are nowhere near the stadium. Instead, appearing by Zoom, stars across the board, but all eyes on the two men under center, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Brady won their last head-to-head playoff matchup, but Mahomes won the last Super Bowl
2: and was the game's MVP. I think he's got the ability to focus when the moments are the biggest and to, to deliver for his team.
8: So that's quite a mark of any great athlete is coming through in a clutch.
2: As I continue in my career, I'm just gonna try to do whatever I can to, to watch the tape on him because uh, he's doing it the right way. And you can tell by how many Super Bowl championships he, ha- he has and the rings are on his fingers. The 43
10: year old Brady with six championship rings and now a 10th Super Bowl appearance, telling reporters he may play past the age of 45.
11: I think I'll know when it's time. So I don't know when that time will come, but I, I think I'll know and I'll understand that I gave
2: everything I could to get to this game.
10: For many, Mahomes and the Chiefs represent the present and future. The reigning champs are dynamic and loaded with skill players. The Bucks are the first team in NFL history to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium, but fewer than 25,000 fans will attend about a third of the stadium's capacity. Instead of bobbleheads and foam fingers, every fan will receive an N95 mask, bacterial wipes, and a safety card. And the traditional Super Bowl experience will be moved outdoors and by online reservation only. Overnight on the NFL network, the two quarterbacks sharing their mutual
2: admiration. Seems like every single year, he's just getting better. Um, And it, it truly is amazing to watch. And uh, it's amazing to go up against because you know it's uh, you're going up against the best. Are you 25? Yeah, 25.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: 25. He's got a, I mean, obviously a bright future.
8: He's got a great career ahead of him.
10: Now, both players were asked, if you could have one superpower that the other guy can do, what would it be? And Brady said if he were Mahomes, he would love to be able to go back 10 or 15 yards and just flick his wrist and send the ball 60 yards. Mahomes asked the same question, said if he were Brady, what he would love to be able to do, stay calm under pressure and always throw on the money, even as everything around him is collapsing. Mahomes also pretty good at doing that too. Guys, back
6: to you. I like that they're, they're t- them talking about each other, yeah. though. It's That's nice. That's kind of
14: cool. Yeah. Sam, what are you calling Tampa Bay again this week? I think you coined the phrase. What, what are they calling it? So there's a few. There's Tampa Bay, Tampa Brady, and Champa
10: Bay. I heard you say Champa Bay. We'll see in five days, Craig, if they are, in fact, Champs. But, man, <laughs> what a matchup this is going to be.
14: All of those nicknames equally terrible.
10: But thank <laughs> you, Sam.
14: <laughs>
5: For many film fans, Hal Holbrook was the actor who brought the informant Deep Throat to life in the 1976 film All the President's Men. Just follow the money. Over six decades, he appeared in more than 130 movies and TV shows, portraying characters with an understated style and his unmistakable voice. From a power-mad police cop in the Dirty Harry Magnum Force...
7: I never had to take my gun out of its holster once. I'm proud of that.
5: ...to a stockbroker with a conscience in Wall Street.
7: No such thing except death and taxes. Not a good company
16: anymore.
5: In the 1950s, Holbrook became an overnight star when he appeared on The Ed Sullivan Show performing as Mark Twain.
16: I could never see any benefit in being tired.
5: Holbrook would go on to reprise that role hundreds of times, winning a Tony when he eventually brought it to Broadway. His many TV credits include Evening Shade, North and South, and The Sons of Anarchy, as well as a scene-stealing role opposite James Gandolfini in The Sopranos.
2: The fact is, nothing is separate. Everything is connected.
5: In the 80s, he had a recurring role on Designing Women, playing the boyfriend of his real-life wife, Dixie Carter. The two were married almost 25 years until her death in 2010. In 2007, Holbrook enjoyed a late career resurgence, playing a lonely widower in the movie Into the Wild.
7: What do you say you let me adopt you?
5: Holbrook explaining to Al today why he needed to climb a mountain for one scene in the movie instead of letting a stunt double do it.
7: Well, I like climbing. <laughs> it also was important to... to climb up there and and and, and know how it's going to feel how exhausted you'd be whatever and then just sit down and not think about it i mean you sit down and bog the scene comes out you don't
5: mm-hmm. you
7: don't figure the scene out in advance
5: Holbrook was also a father and grandfather. He is survived by his five children and four grandchildren. And I think one of the most remarkable things about him is that he started playing Mark Twain when he was in his late 20s and played it all the way into
7: his 90s. Not wow. bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. In fact, he yeah. talked about the fact when he first started, he spent a lot of time putting on the makeup to age himself. And he says the one thing mm. about getting older was he <laughs> didn't, have
14: to, <laughs> didn't have to
7: put as much makeup on. Uh, uh, thank you, and so. And thank you. What a body
14: of work, uh, my wow. goodness. Uh-huh.
11: Oh, well, I've always loved the mating habits of worms. Yeah. A quintessential geek, Screech was that awkwardly lovable scene stealer on the popular Saturday morning comedy series Saved by the Bell. That's who am I dad? diamond who was just 11 when he landed the role played the iconic character for 13 years in total on the popular franchise i need that phone and i'm prepared to take it by force if necessary access hollywood's mario lopez met diamond in the late 80s on set when they both starred on the sitcom overnight he told us that he was shocked by his sudden passing
5: we just spoke with him a couple of weeks ago and he seemed in really good spirits and positive about getting through this he was uh Kind of like a, a little brother. You grew up with a guy, so you're you, you know you're bound to, to get close. And um, I'm just very sad by the news, and and uh, it just seemed to come out of nowhere. You'll always be first to meet.
11: Other co-stars paid tribute. Mark-Paul Goslar writing, I will miss those raw, brilliant sparks that only he was able to produce. Elizabeth Berkeley said, I will hold on to those sweet moments and the laughs we shared. And Tiffany Thiessen adding, Godspeed, Dustin.
6: Guess
11: <laughs> who? But much like his character, the child actor struggled off-screen, too. Diamond came under fire after his 2009 tell-all book, Behind the Bell, with controversial claims about other cast members. Diamond later said he regretted the book. There was also a sex tape and run-ins with the law. The actor even served time in jail for a bar stabbing in 2014.
10: I felt lost. As I mature, I realized, wow, I was kind of going through my rebellious teens and my 20s.
11: After the actor's passing on Monday, his longtime agent wrote in part, he's had a history of mishaps, of unfortunate events. We want the public to understand that he was not intentionally malevolent. He, much like the rest of those who act out and behave poorly, had undergone a great deal of turmoil and heartache. Adding, Dustin was a humorous and high-spirited individual whose greatest passion was to make others laugh he was able to sense and feel other people's emotions to such a length that he was able to feel them too, a strength and a flaw, all in one. Although he lived a complicated life, one thing is for sure, we will always remember all the laughs he brought to the halls of Bayside High. Oh my, what a moment, what a thrill! <laughs> NBC's streaming service Peacock reimagined Saved by the Bell last year. Diamond was not part of the reboot, but Mario Lopez, who is one of the producers, told us he recently talked with Diamond about working him into the upcoming season. Peacock also released a statement saying he will always be a part of the Bayside family. Mm.
14: Back to you guys uh, joe Fryer, thank you uh, you know growing up saved by the bell was appointment television mm-hmm. on saturday morning in the melbourne house and for those of us who were social outcasts growing up we identified with screech yeah. oh, in a special oh. way so yeah. sad loss
6: ramunda and derek young passion begins in the pages of books
15: Ohio new books is a place that really celebrates black books Books that are written for, about, and by people of the African diaspora.
6: The married couple started Mahogany Books, named after their daughter, online in 2007. And 10 years later, they opened their first store in Southeast D.C., offering a vast range of books that celebrate all aspects of Black culture and
15: community. We thought this community deserves this bookstore. Um, Any bookstore, to be honest, it's a part of American life to have access to books. It was just that important to us. I'm from Oklahoma. And when I grew up, I didn't have that many books, um, access to black books. I
6: am imagining you as a little girl at school and, and looking for characters that look like you that go through the same things. And I wonder why you think representation matters so very much.
15: So many intrinsic values of why seeing ourselves in books really matter. It matters from achievement, it matters for careers, everything because it see it shows you what's possible. So a gentleman came to our door. He's maybe sixty five ish or so and he an African American gentleman and he stood at the threshold of our store. He didn't come in, but tears just started coming down his face. And my husband said, Sir, is everything okay? What's going on? And um he just kinda of slowly eked out. He said, I've never seen this many black books in my entire life. That's what we're here for. Woo I see you, Jenna. I see you wiping your eyes. I'm trying not to Mess up my little oh, mascara. It's
6: <laughs> so beautiful. That Wow, it's right. Holy moly. Um, okay, let me get myself together because I think I'm done. For the youngs, it's always been about more than just selling books.
17: When little kids come in or a young guy comes in here and he's trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life, he talks about him being interested in business and I just give him a book. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? I want you to take these two business books. Come, Come back and talk to me.
6: Mahogany Books is all about community and conversation and connection. They combined all three when they founded their monthly book club.
17: It doesn't matter if it's a bestseller or not, if it's new or not, we just want to have lively conversation. We want everyone to come in and speak their piece or if they just want to sit back and listen.
6: But when the pandemic hit, they had to put their book club meetings on pause until last week when a certain author surprised them and dropped in on their virtual meeting.
15: Without further ado, uh, we'll bring on our special guest today.
1: Hey, everybody.
17: Hello. Hello. I wanted to come on here because uh, I thought, well, let's see if we can find a way to support uh, our outstanding (laughs) African-American independent bookstores. And
13: uh, this was our,
17: you know, I I also just wanted to see who (laughs) the brothers were who named themselves the very smart brothers book club.
6: This month's book, President Obama's A Promised Land. But like any good book club, their conversation went beyond the book.
12: How did you maintain that belief in like our nation's like highest ideals and
17: goals and not fall into the cynicism that a lot of us tend to have? The trick is to be able to to have that kind of long-term perspective but still feel the urgency of now, as Dr. King wrote about. What happens, you know, when you see a George Floyd or an Eric Garner? That's terrible. That should make you angry. You can't just kind of say, "Well, it'll take time." Trying to keep those two things in mind at the same time, I think, is is the the, the biggest trick uh, to to sure. not just being president, but just being. Mm-hmm. A functioning vice president in America.
6: And everyone wanted to know about the former First Lady back in the spotlight after that inauguration look. I really want to ask you about how you felt with uh, Michelle coming down. At the inauguration, we're for
17: inauguration. But um, yeah, I, will I don't know what it is about y'all with Michelle and her belts. <laughs> I, asked, I asked Michelle about it at dinner the other night. I said, "Listen, baby, you are gorgeous. I, you know, I understand completely why you are a fashion icon. I don't have an answer." Other than just knowing she looked good and looks better than me. I understand that.
6: What did the little girl from Oklahoma who couldn't see herself in books, who didn't have access to those books, think when the first black president joined her book club discussion?
15: Jenna, there are no words. It was just very humbling. So I do think of my roots. I do think of my parents. I do, do think of my dad. He only went to the third grade and has his daughter here or ancestors who've come before us who were killed to be honest for reading and here we are sitting in a space celebrating black books to this day and to do it freely and to do it honorably that's that's a full circle moment for us
6: and president obama learned about mahogany books and their outreach to the community his team was the one that told us about his recent virtual visit and I have such good news for anyone in D.C. I can't wait to make a trip when it's safe. Mahogany Books is opening their second location oh, wow. there Horrific. this summer. Oh, that's fantastic! I wow, know, I'm so thrilled. So many book
5: uh, bookstores are struggling, yeah. but Mahogany yeah. Books seems to be doing okay.
6: Well, a lot of indie bookstores are yeah. struggling, but they they readjusted really fast. They mm-hmm. had their online business open since 2007, mm-hmm. so they sprung into action and shipped books to where they needed to go. Um, they also have kept up with their community engagement with virtual events like the one we watched with President Obama. <laughs> and they also have children's books, so they are a resource for a lot of parents who are homeschooling or are just teaching their kids from home, who are looking to keep their kids reading. So, I mean, they have, they. first of all, they're a married couple yeah. who can work together wow. so beautifully. That's <laughs> impressive. I couldn't believe it. Um, wow. and, and Derek you know, said he, he had the opposite yeah. um, of his wife. He had a mom who got every book into his hands.
14: Oh. You've become a resident, obviously, book correspondent. Yeah. One thing I like about all of your reporting you always highlight the importance of representation yeah love that
6: well,
15: it's, uh, it is important
14: it is it's paramount yeah. and uh, coming up third hour we're going to uh, have a little bit more on change makers for our series for black history month as well and this morning another special shop and this is a shop where history is always on display
5: mm-hmm. that was awesome jenna thank,
1: thank you jenna. really great
7: And we are back this morning. We're going to catch up with a basketball legend. Magic Johnson, five-time NBA champ, three-time league MVP, a Hall of Famer, the Lisk goes on.
14: But as you probably know, Magic, just as successful off the court, uh, using his business ventures to reach diverse and underserved communities. And Magic has been especially busy these days helping small businesses during the pandemic. And the one and only Magic Johnson is with us hey. on this Tuesday morning. Always good morning, to Magic. see you, sir. Good
1: morning.
18: Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? What's up, Al?
14: Hey, I'm doing pretty <laughs> good, my friend. Special shout out. As yeah. always, Magic. Let's yeah, well, I always got to shout out Al, Craig. You
18: know that. <laughs> I, Al, I do. How are you...
14: Two national treasures. This yeah, is absolutely.
7: Yeah, but only one should be buried. And, but,
14: not, not, let's start <laughs> with the NBA. I mean, they you know, they played in a bubble last season. Not a single person in that bubble contracts the virus this season. They get rid of the bubble. They've already lost a few games because of COVID-19. Do you think we're going to make it through the entire NBA
7: season?
18: I think we will. I think that um, Adam Silver, our great commissioner of the NBA, has put in really all the Health protocols are in place. Uh, The doctors and scientists have helped them put those protocols in place. Now the players have to adhere to that, right? It's going to be up to the players to do what they're supposed to do. But so far, so good. I think that the league anticipated they were going to miss some games, but most of the games have been played, and I think we will uh, finish the season, and then uh, the playoffs will start. And we are
14: crowned a champion sometime in June. Uh, last uh, week, of course, hard to believe it was last week, but it, it marked the one year anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death. And, and, and we all know about the special relationship that, that you and Kobe had. Um, Magic, what, what did it mean for, for you to have your former team, the Lakers, a team that you love so much, win the championship the same year that we lost Kobe?
18: You know, they dedicated the season to Kobe after his death. Mm. Uh, the guys committed to coming together, make sure that they they said they didn't want to let him down, right? Mm. And they wanted his spirit to live on through winning the championship. And then uh, they came through with it. They won the championship. The city is still mourning, the country is still mourning, and the world is still mourning. Kobe Bryant had a special effect on people all over the world. And the thing I love about Kobe is he really affected change in women's athletics mm. and women's sports. He was really a champion for women's uh, college basketball, the WNBA, all women's sports. He really got involved and he tutored and mentored a lot of women athletes as well as uh, male athletes as well.
1: Well, speaking of change, I know you've been very busy during the pandemic, especially when it comes to supporting small businesses. So you're working to make sure minority and women-owned businesses are getting PPP loans and other things like that. Why is this so important to you?
18: You know, it it really broke my heart as we lost over 700,000 uh small black businesses and that meant that we lost a lot of people lost their jobs i should say yeah. and the ppp program didn't trickle down to uh small black business owners as well as latino business owners and women owned businesses that first uh, stimulus package but hopefully this next one with uh president biden and, and vice president harris uh they've already earmarked about uh i think 500 billion will go or some, somewhere in that neighborhood will go to small black business owners. And so what I decided to do was put up 300 million uh 325 million for black owned businesses and women owned businesses and we've already saved about 15,000 businesses wow. and um we're so happy. And one of those businesses is right there in New York in Brooklyn. Because of the fact we gave them a loan, they won a city contract for over a million dollars. They were able to keep their employees. Now they're able to grow their business and add new employees. And that's what it's all about.
1: And and one of the uh, businesses that you partnered with, it's called Uncle Buds. You are a paid spokesperson, but it's a small family-owned business that you really helped grow during the pandemic. Can you tell us about it?
18: They they really have. And, you know, uh, I partnered with them. They're over... They have over 75 product offerings, you know, hand sanitizer from, you know, things that I I, I use myself because I'm still working out all the time. So I, I use the relief roll on and it's really helped my joints. But they're really outstanding. And it, like you said, it's a small business, but they are doing a fantastic job and they just launched in vitamin shop. So it was really great to see them all over the country. And, hey, listen, if you need some lotion, if you need something like that, they're doing a great job. All
7: right. I I probably could use that magic. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting a little creaky. Uh, (laughs) Give our love to Cookie also. I will. And then you make sure you
18: tell your wife hello. And it's good to see everybody. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And thank you for entertaining us and giving us the news and what's happening uh, during this pandemic. We need it the Today
14: show more than ever thank uh-huh. you thank you Madam. magic thank, thank you, you so much we appreciate thank you joining you. us I mean, let's just for a moment here in terms yeah. of hall of fame guests oh my god on this show yeah Magic Johnson, please. I all mean... Of the, plus, he put up $300 million of his yeah, own money to save $325 that million. That's yeah. right. And, and then oh.
1: for him to tell us to keep doing what we're doing. It's right. It's That's like, right. Pretty Paul cool. Affair. I <laughs> mean, to go from the days where I remember my brother used to have, you know, the posters all up on the oh, wall, Julie serving everybody, and then for him to be such an amazing entrepreneur.
14: They come no
6: class. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: All right. It's not quite
11: over yet, but already this nor'easter has become New York City's one of New York City's biggest snowstorms in years. Let's bring in NBC News meteorologist Dylan Dreyer. She's in Bryant Park. So Dylan, what are the conditions like out there this morning?
1: Uh, Well, we really just have a few flurries out here right now, totally different than uh, the way it was when I was talking to you guys yesterday, but uh, we did see more than 17 inches of snow uh, in Central Park, so almost a foot and a half of snow in New York City, and that now is the biggest snowstorm we've seen in five years. In fact, there were uh, moments yesterday where more snow fell in just a few hours than we saw all of last season, so it's been a while since we've had a storm this big, and I think I think it's, you know, the combination of getting so used to working from home and also just wanting a a change of the news story that folks were kind of excited for this snowstorm in New York City. Up in (laughs) Central Park, kids obviously playing, sledding uh, down whatever hill they can find. Some folks were even skiing in Central Park. Some were skiing (laughs) in Times Square. I mean, really just a case of people trying to get out and enjoy it while they could. Of course, the reality sets in today where we have to clean up all this (laughs) snow and ice and more snow is still possible, guys.
11: And go back to work. We were laughing at how even the smallest hill had kids sledding down it (laughs) yesterday. It was like (laughs) any excuse to get outside. Using
1: the stairs in in front of their apartment. (laughs)
11: Exactly, Dylan. Good to
1: see you. Thanks so much.
16: Now, nearly four weeks after insurrectionists took over the Capitol, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez shared an hour and a half long Instagram Live detailing her experience hiding during the riot, saying she thought she was going to die. This comes as Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick is set to lie in honor in the Capitol Rotunda today ahead of a congressional tribute Wednesday morning. NBC News correspondent Leanne Caldwell joins us now. Leanne, good to have you back. Now let's start with that Instagram Live that Representative Ocasio-Cortez did just last night. What are some of the revelations she shared about her experience hiding in the Capitol back on January 6th? So Savannah, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has actually been absent from Congress for quite a while. She missed the impeachment vote um, and uh, she, has really kind of been missing. Um, She has been pretty quiet, but then she gave a very detailed accounting of what happened to her on January 6th and the lead up into into January 6th as well, where she felt extremely threatened. Let's take a listen to what she had to say. And
6: I just thought to myself, they got inside. And so I hide behind my door like this, like I'm here and the bathroom door starts going like this, like the bathroom door's behind me or rather in front of me and I'm like this and the door hinges right here and I just hear, where is she, where is she? And um, this was the moment where
16: I thought everything was over. So that person who asked where she was and was demanding where she was ended up being a Capitol Police officer. But as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, she didn't know if they were trying to help her. They did not identify themselves. Um, And so it just led to a lot of trauma. She also revealed that she is a survivor of sexual assault as well. So this is just an additional triggering moment for her. Mm. But she's also not the only one who has been suffering this traumatic experience on Capitol Hill. Lots of members and lots of staffers have uh, have been dealing with the after effects of January 6th, Savannah. I mean, it's just harrowing to hear these accounts of them hiding within the offices.
11: Russian opposition figure Alexei Navalny's hearing is currently underway in a Moscow court. The well-known critic of Russian President Vladimir Putin survived a poisoning last summer. He was then arrested last month after returning from Germany where he had been treated. NBC News reporter Matt Botner joins us now from Moscow. So Matt, first of all, what is the latest from the courtroom there?
13: Joe, thank you and good morning. So it's a little bit difficult to get a sense of what's going on in the court today. Uh, the judge did not allow photo, uh, photo journalists or video journalists in the room, but there is a group of, of journalists who are allowed in, and they're allowed to tweet and send off, off stories. So we're getting a sense of what's going on. Uh, and frankly, uh, it's not going the way that Alexei Navalny probably hoped it would, uh, but it is going the way that he likely expected it would. We saw the prosecutors come in early in the hearing today uh, and ask, as expected, for a full 3.5 year sentence. Uh, and Navalny, meanwhile, has taken. All of this in stride, he showed up this morning with his a very characteristic wit and humor. Uh, and his, it, it started right when his wife walked into the courtroom this morning, his wife Yulia, uh, who's been taking an, an active part in the protest in his absence. This is the first time he's seen her in two weeks. Uh, and he said to her, uh, Yulia, they've been coming to me in the detention center and telling me about all of your radical actions. Uh, you've been bad. I'm very proud of you. Uh, and with that smile and laugh, he's been, he's been going on all day. Uh, and, and at one point yelling, I was in a coma. What else was I supposed to do uh, when asked about why he didn't notify parole officers when he was in Germany?
11: Quickly, Matt, outside of Russia, how are people responding to what's happening here?
13: Definitely seeing this uh, act as kind of like a, a consolidation moment of, of Western governments joining together to condemn uh, Russia for its treatment, not just of Alexei Navalny, but of protesters the past two weekends. There was, of course, that interview yesterday uh, between the new Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and NBC's Andrea Mitchell, in which he said the US is very watching this very closely and evaluating all the options. Uh, but beyond that, we've actually seen a bit of a, of a show of force, if you will, from Western diplomats here in Moscow.
3: Within our immigration system, These actions are centered on the basic premise that our country is safer, stronger, and more prosperous with a fair, safe, and orderly immigration system. Today's actions do a number of things. The first executive order creates a task force chaired by the Secretary of Homeland Security to reunify families, which will work across government to find parents and children separated by the prior administration. The second executive order develops a strategy to address the root causes of of migration across our borders and creates a humane asylum system including directing dhs to take steps to end the migrant protection protocols program which had led to a humanitarian crisis in northern mexico and the third executive order promotes immigrant integration and inclusion and ensures that our legal immigration system operates fairly and efficiently by instructing agencies to review the public charge rule and related policies As many of you uh, also may have uh, been on the briefing call that we had a little bit earlier today, but for those of you who are not, uh, we've announced, or Jeff Science announced, our our COVID coordinator, I should say, that starting on February 11th, the federal government will deliver to select pharmacies across the country additional vaccine that's coming online next week. This will provide more sites for people to get vaccinated in their communities and is an important component to delivering vaccines equitably. More than 90% of Americans live within five miles of a pharmacy. And I don't know about you, my mother-in-law, my family calls me all the time figuring out how they can call the CVS and find out when they can get their vaccine. Uh, This is a limited launch of the program, but supply will ultimately uh, go up to 40,000 pharmacies nationwide. Second, we continue to work to ensure states, tribes, and territories have the resources they need to turn vaccines into vaccinations, President Biden has already directed FEMA to fully reimburse states for the cost of National Guard personnel and other emergency costs. And today we go further by fully reimbursing states for the eligible services they provided back to the beginning of the pandemic in January of 2020. That means that states will be fully repaid for things like masks, gloves, mobilization of the National Guard, and they can use the additional resources for vaccination efforts and emergency supplies moving forward. This reimbursement effort is estimated to total three to $5 billion and is only a share of the resources that states need to fight this pandemic, which as we've talked about a bit in here before, includes testing, genomic sequencing and mass vaccination centers. Last, we announced that we would increase weekly vaccine allocation to the states for the next three weeks by an additional 5% following last week's 16% increase. So we've increased supply by more than 20% since the. President took office just about two weeks ago. These actions speak to the daily work we are doing to mount the Coordinated Federal pandemic response Americans need and and deserve, I should say. As you also know, uh, last night, uh, the president had uh, a meeting uh, with uh, 10 uh, Republican senators. He's meeting right now with the Senate Democratic Caucus over video um, to further discuss the American Rescue Plan, and we'll have a readout on that uh, later this afternoon that we will send out. He, last night during the meeting, uh, he welcomed the opportunity to have a constructive exchange of ideas over how we can improve the American Rescue Plan. He pledged that he would bring people together when he ran for president, uh, and last night was an example of doing exactly that. Uh, A new poll yesterday by Yahoo and YouGov showed that this plan has already garnered bipartisan support among the American people. he also reiterated, or we he, we would like to reiterate, I should say, the urgency of acting quickly on the package. Um, you all asked yesterday about the CBO uh, reports, uh, a new analysis that came out by the CBO, uh, that without action, in uh, that report showed also that without action, our economy won't reach pre-pandemic levels until 2025. That's too long. So our goal uh, with moving this package forward is making it faster. I have a couple of additional readouts um, or follow-ups i should say from some questions that have been asked in here over the last several days uh somebody asked the earlier i think it was last week about puerto rico today there's an update i have uh, the administration is releasing 1.3 billion dollars in aid allocated by congress to port to puerto rico that can be deployed to protect against future climate disasters in partnership with the puerto rico department of housing the administration is also working to remove onerous restrictions put in place by the last administration on nearly $5 billion in additional funds. Someone also asked yesterday about how President Biden keeps in touch. There's a number of ways, uh, but he uh, receives correspondence letters in his briefing book every night, as past presidents have done. He also regularly connects uh, with Americans on the phone. We've put out some videos of that and we'll continue to do that moving forward. And as you also know, he attends, he has a routine of attending, typical routine I should say of attending public mass every weekend, which is something he did as president-elect and something he will do, clearly respecting COVID protocols moving forward. There was also a question, sorry, a couple follow-ups here about um, uh, the president's engagement uh, with um, the Capitol police officer who lost, I think Ed, you asked this question perhaps, um, about the Capitol police officer, Officer Sicknick, uh, who had lost his life um, in the, Uh, uh, events of january 6th Um, as you know or many of you may know um, the president spoke with members of his family shortly after his passing to express his condolences and sympathies to their tragic loss Uh, i don't have anything to update in terms of his schedule tomorrow but i expect we will have um, more of an update on that uh, in the next 24 hours certainly Uh, finally i think finally i know this is a lot at the top Uh, We can confirm uh, that the President will visit the State Department now on Thursday. That was originally planned earlier this week. We had to move things around because of snow, where he will thank the men and women of the national security workforce for their service to our country and deliver remarks about reclaiming America's role in the world. Sorry, I did actually have one more item. Um, And as you all have seen reports this morning of uh, the FBI confirmation that two FBI agents are deceased and three are wounded um, in a shooting in Florida. Uh, The two wounded agents were transported to hospital and are in stable condition, as some, I think, have reported. President Biden was briefed this morning by Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall. Uh, This is obviously a terrible tragedy. I expect you'll hear more from the president uh, later this afternoon when he speaks to all of you. I know that was a lot, with that, let's kick us off. Wonderful,
13: thank you, Jen. Two questions, Mm -hmm. congressional Democrats are moving forward with COVID relief with legislation set to hit the House Budget Committee by February 16th. Mm -hmm. What kind of timeline does that create for you with regard to talks with Republicans?
3: Well, um, as many of you who have covered Capitol Hill know, um, there is a process, the budget reconciliation process is A lengthy one and because I suspected um, that people would want to talk about the meeting last night today um, I just wanted to take the opportunity to talk a little bit about that process and where we see there being opportunity so First, um, as you know, uh, once a budget, well, maybe as you you know, but a lot of people watching do not know um, that once a budget resolution is passed, the House and Senate negotiators will work to develop a reconciliation bill that can pass through the House and Senate. At several points in this process, uh, as we look to the weeks ahead, Republicans can engage and see their ideas adopted. Uh, At any point in the process, a bipartisan bill can pass on the floor. So just creating the option for reconciliation with a budget resolution does not foreclose other legislative options. This is my when a bill becomes a law moment of the briefing today. Um, Second, uh, Republican uh, ideas can be adopted during the reconciliation negotiations, and it's likely that several bipartisan ideas may be, or we are certainly hopeful of that. Um, And third, um, Republicans have the ability to offer amendments, both during the budget resolution and instruction phase of the process, and then later during the reconciliation phase, and in that way can ensure their ideas are heard. And I did all of that because I think it's important, it's, there's been some misunderstanding of, about how this process works. And I think there was some view that the, vote, the final vote was this week, you all know that's not the case. There is some time, that's why the president is in great gauging, why he did with Republicans last night, Democrats today, and why he's, um, he's um, conveyed um, that he would like to continue doing that in the days ahead.
13: Secondly, uh, Moscow court sends Alexei Navalny to prison for two and a half years for violating this probation for going to Germany to recuperate from being poisoned. Does the White House plan any additional steps in response?
3: Well, Josh, I, uh, you may not have seen this because I think it just came out, but uh, Secretary of State Tony Blinken put out a statement. Uh, in uh, in response to the sentencing. uh, I will, uh, just let me reiterate some of the pieces from here. We are deeply concerned by Russian authorities' efforts, uh, decision, I should say, to sentence opposition uh, figure Alexei Navalny. Like every Russian citizen, Mr. Navalny is entitled to the rights provided in the Russian constitution, and Russia has international obligations to respect equality before the law and the rights to freedom of expression and peaceful assembly. We reiterate our call for the russian government to immediately unconditionally release mr navalny as well as the hundreds of other russian citizens wrongfully detained in recent weeks for exercising their rights. I will say so. On in, to your specific question, there is an ongoing review. Uh, we announced, I think it was early last week, of a number of the uh, um, you know reported or con- concerning actions, I should say, by the Russian government, which includes the treatment of Alexei Navalny. It includes uh, the a full assessment of the Solar Winds hacks hack. It includes um, a review of the uh, reports around bounties on troops. Uh, it also includes. Uh, reports of uh, an assessment of of, uh, engagement in the 2020 election, that's an ongoing review by the national security team. When they conclude that, that will launch, uh, you know, whatever policy process to determine what steps we will take from here
4: go ahead uh, on the relief bill Democrats are obviously moving ahead with this process you all are so hopeful that you can get bipartisan support but you've also made it clear that you're not going to slim down this bill significantly so where right now is the greatest potential for compromise to try and achieve that bipartisanship
3: well you're you're right uh, Mary that I think and this was uh, in evident in the discussion last night. It was, as we said in our readout, and I think as Senator Collins also said, uh, it was civil, it was constructive. uh, This is how democracy should work. Uh, We should be engaging. Democrats and Republicans should be engaging with each other, but there certainly is a gap between where we are and where the proposal, the Republican proposal that was discussed uh, last night was. Uh, There are some um, you know, bottom lines, I think, the president has, which he has uh, conveyed in the meeting last night and reiterated to us this morning, which is, you know, to put it simply or accessibly for people. You know, he believes a married couple, let's say they're in Scranton, just for the sake of argument. Uh, One is working as a nurse, uh, the other is a teacher, making $120,000 a year, should get a check. That's in his plan. In the plan presented by Republicans, they would not get a check. Uh, And his view is that at this point in our country, when one in seven American families don't have enough food to eat, we need to make sure people get the relief they need and are not left behind as was also a part of our readout last night, there was a discussion, there's some technical follow-up where there's opportunity to discuss issues like small business, issues like COVID relief. Not, I'm not suggesting a reduction, I'm suggesting how to do it effectively. And those technical discussions at a staff level will be part of what's ongoing over the next couple of days. But his bottom, the president's bottom line is that this is a package. The risk here, as he has said many times, is not going too, too big, it is going too small. That continues to be his belief, and that's why he he supports uh, the efforts by Senator Schumer, Leader Schumer, and Speaker Pelosi to move this package forward.
4: If I can ask a question on impeachment, the the impeachment managers have now laid out their case. Uh, Trump's team is leaving open the door, it seems, to arguing election fraud in the trial, to to repeating the false claims that somehow Trump won the election, those same false claims that fueled the riot. Is this administration concerned that the former president's defense could incite further violence?
3: Well, certainly watching uh, reactions in the country, watching the potential for violence is something that we will do closely uh, from uh, the White House. Across the country, no matter what prompts it. Uh, and that's something we will uh, certainly keep an eye on. Um, but, um, you know, I think in this case, as you know, uh, there have been dozens and dozens of court cases that have been debunked. Uh, the President of the United States is sitting in the Oval Office um, engaging and governing the country. And uh, obviously, uh, we have moved forward even more than we were prior to the inauguration in uh, proceeding and uh, delivering on what the American people decided. On in November. I
4: just wanted to move on to immigration. Some reform advocates have criticized these actions for being reviews uh, of certain programs, like the Remain in Mexico
3: program, rather than cancellations. Why review and not reverse some of these programs? Sure. Well, part of our effort, Mary, is to assess uh, the damage that has been done by the policies uh, that were put in place by the prior administration. We want to act swiftly, we want to act promptly, but we also need to make sure we are doing that um, through a uh, strategic uh, policy process. Uh, And the president's commitment to immigration is indicative in the fact that he announced an immigration bill his first day in office and that he has signed and after this afternoon a number of of bills to overturn the immoral actions of the prior administration. Uh, But uh, we want to ensure that our team, led by uh, the new, hopefully newly confirmed soon, uh, maybe right now, uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, has the ability uh, to um, review the process and policies and make sure he's putting the right ones in place.
4: Do you have a sense of timing for these reviews when the task force
3: on reunification, for instance, may actually put out their first findings? We do. um, And it's important to us that there are markers um, to give updates to the American people on this and many other issues so there will be a report issued within 120 days and then every 60 days thereafter um, on uh, the progress being made Um, as I think you all know from covering this issue this is very difficult Uh, it's emotional for a lot of people for understandable reasons Um, and we uh, need to find out first where all these kids are and figure out where their parents are and so we are starting at uh, you know square one here um, but our team wants to